Welcome to All The Things, a podcast for moms seeking an inspired life. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Chin. I am a writer and a coach, and my most passionate truth is that the world needs the real you. That's why I created this podcast, to discover all the things that make us who we are, because the better we understand ourselves, the more good we can do in the world. So let's do that together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am super excited to have my really good friend, Cindy Gao, on air with us today. Um, First, before we get started, I wanted to first do um, just recognize that I am speaking and podcasting from the traditional and unceded land of the Nipmuc and Massachusetts tribes. This land acknowledgement is particularly relevant today because Cindy and I actually share this land um, where we live in the same town and we actually grew up together. Um, and we'll go get more into that. But the idea of land and proximity is something that we'll talk about. And um, it's just important for us to recognize that we are on this land that is not quite our own, um, but that we're on today. Um, and so to tell you a little bit more about Cindy, she is a full-time mom of two with a day job in the digital marketing industry as a project manager. And she's always seeking opportunities for personal growth and experiences that connect us. Cindy, thank you for being here. I'm excited. (laughs) So season one, and you're kind of like, we're wrapping up season one um, in the next couple episodes. So it's about people I know. And you and I know each other for quite a while. And I'd love to tell, for you to tell the listener kind of like your version of how we know each other. I believe we met in, I want to say seventh grade in Bloomfield. Um, And I think the first time I met you in my recollection was probably in, uh, I feel like it was in music class for whatever reason. But I think that was like my first time meeting you, but it could have also been like one of our regular classes as well. (laughs) So that is my first recollection Mm -hmm. of us meeting together. And then um, can you share a little bit just of the history of how we know each other and how we've become? Yeah, so we started out as just knowing each other through in classmates, being in class together in seventh grade. And then I think we were just in and out of each other's lives in seventh and eighth, but then really got to get be really close starting ninth grade when we went to uh, high school. Um, and we were all in the same honors classes, basically. And so we just kind of literally lived in each other's like houses and on the phone all the time, um, all the way up until we graduated, really. Um, And then we both went to Boston to go to school. Um, You went to Babson and I went to BU. Um, We still kept in touch through all those years. And then uh, even after college, I think we just stayed friends and stayed close and connected, but, you know, at times pulled away from various things going on in our lives. Um, and then randomly when I was moving back to Boston, um, with my family, we just were looking for houses in, in like the Needham 
Newton area. Um, and then we, fate kind of sort of just brought us together with this, this town that you had just moved into recently, probably like two years in. And we were like, okay, let's take a look at Medfield and see what, what there is over here. Um, and then landed on a really nice house that we just fell in love with. Um, didn't really know quite much about the town, but, you know, with your experience and I was like, okay, this is good. We love the, the, the house and we know somebody here. So we just went for it. And then here we are. Um, I don't know. What are we like? 12 years, 13 years of knowing each other, or more than that, actually. No, way more than that. Why, way more than that. <laughs> more um, than half our lives. I mean, yeah, it was like 2000 yeah, exactly. and no, it was 1996. We probably met each other. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. It's a really long time ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, coming full circle and sort of now being in the same town, raising kids in the same town, um, but also knowing each other since we were uh, younger than, than than when we first met. So um, it's been quite an adventure. <laughs> I yeah, I think it's really special. I mean, I'll just for the record say I had no like input on where you ended up moving. <laughs> I was really happy when you were like, because you were looking around the area and I was like, oh, it'd be really cool if you moved here. But I was just also like, she's not even looking close to here. So she wants to, you know, be by the, the train and like there are all these other factors. And then when you were like, oh, moving to Medfield, I said, oh my gosh, I was so excited. And you and I are like doing something really different. I mean, like in that, um, we are raising kids in the same area after after having lived in a completely different place. And I don't think that's something that a lot of people get to experience all that much these days. Like, what do you think about, about that? Like, how do you think that impacts the experience? I mean, you know, I, you and I don't like hang out every weekend or anything like that, but like, for me, I think that there's a comfort in like knowing that there's someone here that I can really trust and that like, you know, our older ones are in school together and it's like, okay, knowing at least there's someone else there. And I don't know, it just gives me this like sense of comfort. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I don't know very many people in this town. Um, I'm still learning about it. And I think you're actually much more involved and I feel like you're definitely more involved in the community than I am. Um, so it's really nice to at least always have somebody to go to and just be like, Hey, what's going on? Um, but then also bring like back a sense of home too, right? Like we both left New Jersey, um, and kind of just like plopped our, started our roots here with our, our new family, um, just bringing all of that history with us coming back is, is really nice, um, and yeah. to have like a sense of being able to, you know, like you have almost the same experience as I had growing up. Um, and so like being able to look into our past and bring that into how we're raising our kids and then um, just having a sense of that acknowledgement, I think is really special. Yeah. And I think that it's so true, like that sense of home, because like neither of us actually grew up here. So it, it wasn't like we have any sort of familiarity so 
And I think that that's kind of been a little bit of our relationship while we we've, we've been in the Boston area. Like I used to go to your house to make dumplings and, you know, we'd go shopping and then we'd make dumplings and I would have dumplings for like two months to eat. And it just is that like that sense of home. And like for the listener, like you're Taiwanese American, second generation, and I'm Chinese American and not that those are exactly the same, but there is this like kind of shared live experience. And also we grew up in the same school district where it was it, like by the time you hit high school, it's the same thing. We we're in all the same classes and this, we had very like a lot of sim- similar experiences and it, it really does give that sense of home and like, and like, you're so right. Like, you know, I moved away from most of my family, like my cousins and my brother and all that. Well, fortunately, my mom lives with me, as you know, but like you have moved away from your family too. And like a lot of your friends. Yeah, exactly. So it's really nice to just at least have somebody to call on and know that you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. How do you think, um, like you and I talk about kind of parenting like a bit (laughs) (laughs) and it's also like this this I don't know I don't know if it's like this culture that we're living in where kids well I think like before kids we both kind of were like oh we're gonna be like tiger moms and we're gonna be I feel like okay let's just say we talked about it way back in like high school like not like you know in college or something like that but like I remember way back in high school we would be like oh yeah like I don't know, we talked about like how like our parents were and how we would going to be like more strict or something with our kids. And I don't know. Um, but like, how do you see kind of your upbringing folding in and like impacting how you parent now? But then also, what are you bringing in from like outside of that experience? Yeah, I would say my upbringing wasn't like super traditional in terms of um like my my parents weren't like the super tiger parents that most people sort of associate with um traditional like Chinese type parents they weren't they were strict in some ways but also relaxed in others but I wasn't one of those kids that had to be involved in every single activity and be like the best in the top of the class um all the time. Like they knew there were limitations and they also didn't put that expectation on me. Um, so I've taken a lot of those kinds of teachings and values into my own parenting, which is more, um, I'm just more fluid about it. Like I don't want to be the tiger mom and be super strict with them. Um, and so, um, in that, in that realm, like I kind of like borrow some things from my parents, but then also living in the culture that we are and like thinking, um, through the eye, like through the lens of growing up as a immigrant child, that also has a bearing on how I'm raising my kids. Um, there are just some, you know, there's, there's definitely some traditional things that my parents did that I'm like, oh, I can't, I don't, I don't want to do that. For instance, I would say like gender roles are very defined in, in a traditional Chinese family and a household and, and how like boys are boys and girls are girls in the way that there's a very strict order of what you can and cannot do. And then, you know, 
bringing that dichotomy with what we're going through now in a culture and being more inclusive and not raising our children to like just fit into one mold. I think that, you know, just um, kind of bring those two pieces into light. So like I borrow a lot of parenting from my parents in terms of some values that they taught me and instilled in me, but also like how I've now as an adult look back on how I grew up and then like questioning sometimes how my parents raised me. Not that they weren't doing a good job or anything like that. It was just more of, you know, now I have an awareness of how that impacted me and what I want for my kids. Yeah. It is kind of this, um, it's almost like this constant in everything. I think that like, at least I go through, like, I'm, I'm like, what can I borrow from like my, my ancestors and my, and my parents. And then what, how do I integrate the new one? Because like, we're not like, we're not living in China and we're not living in Taiwan and we're not, and we're in America and we're in the 21st century. And there's all this like new stuff that's happening. And it requires this like constant balance of like what actually worked before us and like, and is good for that. And then like what we can kind of leave aside and figure out do you feel that's exhausting yeah sure (laughs) I'm constantly battled by it because I'm like thinking all right am I doing the right job am I am I being too strict am I being too relaxed you know like am I enforcing something that I should be or am I not enforcing something that I should be like that constant battle of like of under figuring it out is, is hard. And I think that's just what parenting is, right? Like you're always kind of questioning whether or not this is the right choice or not for your kids. And like you, you have to borrow things from, from what you know, but also be aware of what's going on in the present and also the future, right? Like, cause you're also having to put in, what is this going to do if I do this now, this is the present, but what does that mean for them in the future? Mm-hmm. And I think our parents also had the same thing, right? Like they, they, I'm sure had the same sort of, how do I, how do I navigate these like waters of parenting and, and what am I doing? Picking things from when their ancestors or, or their parents and, and bringing it forward or leaving it behind and this constant always of you know, tug of war sort of. <laughs> yeah. I feel like with my parents, it was more, a little bit more of like survival mode. Like I can't speak for your parents, but like, I feel like in my household, it was like, like a lot of it was like letting me and my brother just kind of do our thing because there was only so much time in a day. So they couldn't take care of us. And then the other, other, other of it was just like, we are here. We have limited resources. We've lost our community. Like a lot of it, obviously the family's still around. Um, but everything that's familiar to us is no longer here. And so it like shifts you in a completely different mindset. Whereas like for us, like we can read the street signs. We can, we don't have to like learn all that stuff like later on in life. And, and it doesn't, that's like a whole nother layer to like, now I have to like orient myself to like a whole new country while being a parent. Like my mom, I don't remember when your parents came, but like my mom, um, came when my brother, like in between my birth and my brother's birth. So like they were already parents and they had this young kid 
this baby and then they were trying to figure out life <laughs> like yeah. well being a parent and like being an immigrant it's a yeah. lot yeah no it totally is yeah I'm like thinking back to my mom my parents story and and mainly I look at my mom because being a mom and how hard it is and knowing it now like what she must have felt like because they were actually my dad was a grad student um in college and then my mom came um maybe at the tail end of when my dad was just about to finish graduating so they were both like um you know pretty pretty young like i want to say 23 ish or 24 and then they had me at um my mom was 25 when she when she had me um and she didn't know english very well um she didn't really want to actually leave her parents, you know, and her family. But I think they were coming here, obviously, for the opportunity. And they were basically like college students, you know, and without anything, uh, with like $1,000 in their pocket. And they came and just like trudged forward. And then I think about that. I'm like, at 25 years old, if you told me to go to a new country with $1,000 and I was, if I was pregnant at that point, like, what would I do? Yeah, I don't know. And so, yeah, at like 25 years old, I think about how my mom was away from her family, didn't know the language, had had me, uh, her first child, and that impact of um, not having family around. I'm like, I don't even know how I would do that, <laughs> of how that kind of just shapes your whole, like trying to, it is survival mode at that point. Right. Um, so yeah, like, that's just, we, we don't have to ever go through that. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's just crazy just even to me to think about that. Cause I'm not sure that I would even survive. <laughs> right. Like given the choice, it's like, do I stay in my comfy like cocoon or do I embark on this whole new adventure? like life that I have absolutely no idea how it's going to turn out, how safe I'm going to be, how comfortable I'm going to be. Like everything is turned upside down and my family is not there. And I'm just there with like my, my husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then deciding to want to have a family and starting to build a life in a completely new world. Um, it's just, it's mind boggling because I don't, I'm not sure that I would have the confidence to do that even now. Right. Like, um, I would always, like, I would want the safety net of knowing somebody at least. And like, I don't, they didn't have that. They just had to come here and they just figured it out, um, and made friends along the way and, and made connections along the way. But like, really that was, that was friends were really, you know, their family at that point. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, it's just, it's mind boggling, but uh, yeah, I, I do think about my mom a lot because just being a young, young mother, um, and not having your mom next to you is just, I think heartbreaking is really, it's heart wrenching, right? Because I had my mom when I was, um, with, with, uh, with my first, so, and my second, and like, I don't know how I would have gone through it without support from her. <laughs> yeah. I think you and I both share that like respect and that type of relationship with our, with our mothers where it, it is like this, like understanding of like, wow, they've gone through so much and we're so grateful that we have them. 
you just mentioned you had your mom around for after your first and your second. And this makes me think about something that you and I also share, which is confinement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for the listener who may not be familiar, could you share with them what confinement is? So confinement is a period in time in traditional, um, I would say it's like more traditional Chinese medicine uh, and like the the aspect of it is you have to, for 30 days, um, and it actually varies in different parts of China and in Asia, there's a confinement period where a new mom um, will have 30 days in her house to just rest. And they basically are not allowed to do anything. The only thing that they should be doing is just getting up to feed the baby, but everything else is sort of taken care of for them in terms of you're supposed to sleep, your body is supposed to rest. It's supposed to recover from the shock and the trauma of going through birthing, which is a huge, huge uh, physical toll on your body. Um, And so your mom traditionally will come to uh, or either you go home to your mom's house or um, somebody will come to your house, but basically you're at, all your meals are cooked. You're not supposed to get up at all from bed. You're supposed to rest your whole entire body. Um, and in some places, some people won't wash their hair. Um, there's like a lot of other traditions to it. Um, you're not supposed to go and take any cold showers or anything cold. You can't go outside because it's cold and the the whole purpose is to like warm up your body and to make it heal because warmth um is is a is a way it's like a I would say a Chinese medicine um practice of like keeping your body really warm in order to to heal it from from what just happened. <laughs> um but yeah that's that's like at least my understanding of and the general understanding that I have of um confinement. And I'm sure that there's a ton more that other researchers and, and uh, practitioners know about, but that is essentially what it is. And that's what you and I both did um, <laughs> right after our births. Can I ask you, um, cause I feel like my confinement period really like informed my parenting um, kind of like unknowingly, like if you think back to it, like, is there an impact of kind of entering motherhood in that way? I'm not sure if there was an impact into in my parenting with the confinement. I'm curious about yours. Like, what, what do you? So the thing that I noticed was like, I just had time to like think and like kind of, because like our whole identity shifts, right? When we become moms, you know, first we're this like, they say like made into mother, like we were this person like before and after. And when we become a mom, like, I mean, literally like our biology changes, right? And in Western culture, you just like jump right into it and then you start just doing a whole bunch of stuff. And you don't actually have time for like your brain to catch up with like all this doing. So you're doing, doing, doing. And like your brain is like, hold on. Okay, I just had a baby. (laughs) Um, Who am I? What am I doing here? Like, what is my priority? Like, you don't get to, like, you don't have that time to actually like figure some of that stuff out. And so like, to me, confinement's like great for like healing the body and, and kind of just resting and obviously like physically healing. But like, I feel like mentally and emotionally, it gives you this time to just like, oh, settle in and yeah. slow down. 
and you're not at the beck and call of everyone. And then I remember going back to work and like explaining that I did this thing and people just kind of look at me like this is, that's really weird. Um, so I felt like I entered motherhood differently and I felt like I had this different lens, like, oh, that's not normal. Like if I, like I can actually call things out because I entered it differently and and I came out alive and, and all of that. Like I was like, oh, this is, there's another way of being a mom in this culture. And if that's one way it, during postpartum, what about the rest of motherhood? And so it, like, it makes me able to question all the other stuff that is thrown at us as we're moms. Yeah. I think for me, it was just, it was definitely more about like rest and just physically, like, I feel like that really helps me get back into, um, into like my own physical health, um, to not have to worry about, oh my God, who's going to cook for me and who's going to like, how am I going to be fed? And, um, that, uh, you know, all of, all of the things that a new mom who doesn't have support around them would have to do, um, you know, without during that time. And so for me, it was really about resting and just like a physical healing. I, I, I mean, yes, for sure. There was like a definite moment of like, um, yeah, like emotionally and mentally you get some rest also, which I think a lot of people in this, in our cult, in the Western culture just didn't have because they just like run right straight back into their normal lives um, or feel like they're expected to, um, which is definitely different from, from the Eastern culture of how you're supposed to enter uh, motherhood. Yeah. And we also talk about it, right? So much about how like, it's so different, uh, you know, what, after we were doing some research about confinement here versus confinement in Asia um, and like most people do, do do this, do the, you know, a 30 day, four week period time of resting. And um, in some places they even have like a whole system, you know, medical system all for the four week period, which is so different than here where it's, where it's not, you're just in a hospital and you're like, okay, you're expected to just leave in like a couple of days. Yeah. And you're not, you don't even get leave in the U S you're not even guaranteed any sort of leave. Like I remember my mom saying something like after a week or two, she was back at her job because she had only been working there for, I don't know, however long. And, and then she would have to go home and like have to cook dinner and, and cause there's a big there's a whole household of people. And so like, there were certain things that, you know, she didn't wash her hair and she kind of like took it easy in other ways, but like there were other times where she couldn't. And like, I think about the luxury I had that she gave me where it's like, I literally didn't have to do anything and she took care of everything. And it was like, just thinking about how, what a contrast that is. Like even to my own mom, like, you know, who, this is her culture. This is what, you know, she should have had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did your mom also have, uh, like a confinement period when she, well, with, with your brother? I don't think she did. Um, it it wasn't super, like people weren't really super supportive of her, Mm -hmm. um, in my dad's family. So it just wasn't the same. Like she didn't have her own mom to help her. And, um, and like, I think that there were, um, 
it was a lot of moving pieces because people were starting to leave the country at that point and immigrate. Mm -hmm. So she kind of had to take over some things. And so it just wasn't the same. And like, she didn't have people, all of her sisters had, um, or two sisters had babies already and like kids already. And so it wasn't like they could just like drop everything and go to her and yeah. So she didn't really get all that. Another thing that you and I, um, kind of geek out over (laughs) because I think we're just nerds for life um is like personal growth and you kind of mentioned that you're always seeking opportunities for that can you share like kind of I think this is also like a little bit self-indulgent because I haven't we haven't had a chance to chat because it's been so like lately it's been so busy for us Mm -hmm. both like what are you like into right now and like what is it that you're like looking towards to do and then like especially because it's like the end of the year now and I'm sure you're thinking about like next year and kind of goals and things like that yeah um right now I have been uh signed up for a um it's a personal growth platform it's called Mind Valley um and, and they are basically uh, a bunch of programs on there that you can listen to um, in their courses. They're like every day for 20 minutes, there's different speakers that are on that platform. And, and it's been, it's been really great because I've been just choosing like a couple of programs that I want to listen to. Um, last quarter, I was really into like abundance So like tons of just programs and around like abundance seeking and like that mindset of what abundance mindset and being a growth mindset is. So like listening to that Um, recently, I just started one call with Michael Beckwith, if I remember his name correctly. Um, And then that, that it's it's really about spirituality um, and how, that intersects with, uh, with growth. So, yeah, so that's, that's basically what I've been up with recently. There's a new book that I want to read. It's called Awakened Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I believe it's about, um, some personal stuff, but really about how spirituality is actually connected, not with just happiness, but with, uh, longevity. Mm. And there's like data to support that and how this like spirituality um, really is about uh, connection and synchronicity of people that you meet in your life. Um, And then so I was like, that just spoke to me. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I definitely need to get that. So that's one of these books that I'm going to get uh, soon to, to start reading. That's very cool. What are your, I mean, you kind of mentioned like two, um, you'd mentioned this classic on spirituality. I guess spirituality is kind of like this quarter maybe. Um, like what are your thoughts on that? Like what draws you to that topic? You know, it's like I, my parents are Buddhist um, and I kind of just inherited the Buddhism, but we're not, it's not like we go to temple all the time. Um, we're not like that kind, I'm not like praying, you know, that's not the spirituality that we, that, that I grew up in. Um, but it's more about, for me, it just like feels like there's gotta be a purpose for, for us to be here. 
right? And like, you're so busy in your everyday life. And I'm certainly very busy in my personal life and also at, at my job. But like, there's also a seeking of what am I here for? And what's the purpose? Um, and I think that's a lot of people struggle with that. And sometimes they take this quest of my purpose to um, to different either a different people, either, either something that's like tangible, like they want something tangible about being, having a a purpose, whether it be their work or their love life or relationships. And like the more that I read about it, it's really not about the tangibles. And it's, it's, it's about like intrinsically what you feel a calling for. Hmm. Um, And so I'm always just, and I'm still seeking it, right? Like I, I'm not certain, like obviously being a mother is something that is, has definitely changed my whole entire mindset and and the way of life. Um, But I, I don't think that is the only purpose that I'm here for. And also with my career, I think that um, I have had a really good career in, in digital marketing and being a project manager and I'm good at it. But also I feel like there's just a piece of it that I'm not quite there yet with where I am in life. Like I'm still searching for that. Mm-hmm. I can very much identify with that. <laughs> That's seeking. <laughs> yeah. Like what it is. And I'm, I'm not sure what it is. Like I, it's not that I'm not content with where I am. I am, but I feel like I, uh, there's so, so right now I'm learning about like there's stages of consciousness basically. Right. And there's, um, victim con uh, of like most people they say are in this like victim mindset where things happen to you. And then the second layer is things happen through you. So mm-hmm. you're actually doing something. And then there's like a third layer where it's things are happening by you where you're the, you're basically the owner of your own destiny and you create that destiny for yourself. Um, and so I feel like I am at a point where I'm kind of straddling these different levels of consciousness. And again, don't quote me on this. I, I, you would definitely need to read about like the, I think there's four, four, four stages of it. (laughs) Um, but I remember when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I'm definitely not in that victim mindset anymore where I would complain about like things happening to me and be very conscious of like, Oh, this person did something to me and I'm upset about it. Or this is this bad luck is happening to me. And I think I was there before, like definitely early on in my life and career wise and personal life. Like it was always something was being something was happening to me and I couldn't change that. Um, and now I've taken a new, like, I think I'm at that second or third between the second and third level where I'm like, no, I, I have the power to change that. I, I have the power to make what I want happen. And um, it's through me and changing myself and letting the universe like basically help me get to that goal. And that's like, that's where I'm really like 
uh, that, that part is really where I'm very interested in the part of, you know, knowing intrinsically that this is for me and I, I don't need to control it, this need Mm -hmm. to control it and just let it happen organically and Mm -hmm. things happen for a reason. And then when you look back on it, you're like, holy crap, like this was actually what I, what my end goal was, but it somehow like came to me just by sheer coincidence, or you can call it coincidence. You can call it, you know, spirit, like the universe or woo woo or whatever you want to say, but like things happen synchronously to get you to where you are, but you have to know ultimately like what you want to do. Right. And, and, and uh, I think that part of it is just where I'm like very, I think that's what spirituality is, is just like knowing your, knowing what you want in life and just letting things fall into place for you. Mm. These are thoughts that I have, like, how do you balance the idea of like, okay, things are happening around me for me that'll, it might not be like a direct route to whatever it is that I want. And it might just take me on these, like, like, you know, these trails to the side. How do you balance, like, letting the universe kind of help you and, like, not doing anything? Because, like, there's some people who just be like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, sit in this chair for the next 10 years and the universe is going to throw opportunities at me, right? Like, where is that, where where is the in-between of I'm actually going to keep pursuing, but, um, but I'm also... I also believe that things are going to happen, you know, in my, the way that I, that needs to happen. Yeah. I think, well, in my teach, like what I'm reading about, um, is that you, you need to know what your end goal is and an end goal, meaning what kind of experiences do you want out of life? Um, not necessarily specific right? Like you just need to know, I like, for instance, you, for me, one of my goals is I want to be able to travel the world with my children and share the gift of traveling with them and have that experience. That's just one of my goals in life. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but intrinsically, like, I know that that's an experience that I want to happen. Um, And so I do things, obviously, to attain that goal, right? Like, I'm obviously working. And I'm obviously thinking about like, okay, where can we travel to next? I'm always working towards that goal, but may not always be specifically through to that goal, you know, what I mean, like, trying to think of a better way to like, phrase it but it's almost like I I know that I'm that's what I want um and I work towards it but not every day I'm not thinking about like I'm doing this job so that I can go and travel the world right like I obviously my job is very taxing also so it's like not I can just like get up and walk and go and do something like that but I think it's just working towards something that you want and then somehow it will just all fall into place. And like traveling is sort of like a bad, bad example, but like, like, what do you want out of life? And what, what would be fulfilling for you? 
and knowing that you want that kind of goal and just working towards it, but not necessarily the specifics of it, right? Like, mm. I'm, I guess I'm not explaining it very well, but something well, of that sort. I think it's part of it. It's like, okay, knowing you have the end destination, but like also like the, the word that comes to me is like unattached, like being unattached, like the how is going to happen. Right, exactly. And just letting kind of things, like there's a bit of trust, but there's also a bit of like action on, on our side. I think that's, that's like the two things we're balancing. You're like trust in like, yeah. it's all going to work and, and not all of that, but it's also like, okay, what are the things that we need to do to just be happy kind of in the day, here and now as well? Because we can always think about being happy later on, but it doesn't matter if we're not happy right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you, you mentioned before, like you were kind of in this like victim kind of thought before, and then you shifted and now you're like between this like second and third level. How did you shift out of that like victim thought? Do you have any ideas of like what might've happened in order for that to happen? I can't say that there's anything that pinpoints that. I think motherhood definitely changed a lot for me where I took things so personally before about everything, you know, like if somebody said something to me, I'd be like, oh my God, that was a personal attack on me. Mm. And whether it be personal or professional, and I would take that to heart really, really bad um, and be like, and, and I would complain about it a lot, right? It would always be like, somebody's doing this to me or somebody's, it's, it's about me and, and it's a personal attack on myself. And then I became a mom and I feel like that just shifted my mindset because there's so much other things to worry about, like this child and you let the small things just go away and you don't care about the minutia of it. And then you finally see that there's other things that you need to worry about and, and not worry about all of the things that made you self-aware um, and, and, and self-critical to yourself mm. because you had a, you have a child to take care of and that child is also going to be your role. Like you're going to be that person's role model. And I think that really did kind of change for me because then at work it was, I, you know, I need to, I need to do this so that I can provide but I'm not going to make this my whole entire life because um, it's not worth it. Like mm -hmm. I need to be happy with where I'm with my job and my career, um, but not at the cost of my own happiness. And, and a lot of the things that I was seeing about myself was it, it was, I was actually my worst enemy. At this point, I can look back and say, I self-sabotaged myself a lot. Mm. And I think it was the same thing in my personal life where if somebody said something to me or just made me feel awful, it was always me, right? Like I always just felt like it was something that I did or it, it was about, it, it, it was actually more ego, right? Like it was really ends up being about your ego because it got hurt and you don't know where to place that and your ego will just keep on telling you to look out <laughs> to go for revenge. Or, you know, I started that, that definitely shifted when I had um, my first and then 
reading about it also, I think that's, that really helped shape it. Just learning about strategies of how I can not take things to heart personally. And then you read more about, you get into strategies of how you can help yourself from a personal growth area that intrinsically, as you start reading more about it, you, you start turning, for me, it went from learning about strategies to overcome that, overcome that mindset. And then once you start, I think when you go into personal growth, like reading about it, it just automatically pivots you into more of like a spirituality mindset, because it, that, that I feel like inevitably personal growth equals spiritual or some kind of connection to spirituality. I agree with you there. Like connection to purpose, connection to each other, connection to Mm -hmm. ourselves, connection to nature, like kind of, and I think those are all, those are some of like, those are any form of spirituality. Cause I I don't, I mean, and connection to ourselves, like not our egos, but to our, (laughs) our inner selves. Yeah. But even when you read about all the personal growth books and the uh, the speakers they all say that like you start with gratitude right and you start with taking yourself out of the ego mindset because that's what we are all battling and when you're that victim your ego is basically the only person that's talking and has mm-hmm. like, full control of you and that's really what is talking that and and you know what's interesting is that um the ego is very that when I when when I learned about it is parenting also with the ego and how (laughs) how the ego comes into play every time you're trying to parent Mm -hmm. uh yeah (laughs) it's very very challenging I think the ego is also like our broken inner inner child too so yeah maybe (laughs) like there's part of that and there when you were talking it made me think of like in Chinese, in my dialect, it says hi, hi ne, which is like to look kind of more broadly. I don't know if you have like the same terminology in like Mandarin, but it's like to see something, but like kind of zoom out of the picture. And like, I think that that's what you're talking about when you like become a parent, like things that are like, you're so like, you paid so much attention to like the minutiae, like the little details and like, but you couldn't anymore. You had to kind of like, kind of wow. take yourself out of it a little bit and to be yeah. able to step out of it and put yourself in a different conversation in a different situation. Cause there's a little body that needs you. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And you just, you just, I think you just have a general different outlook of so much when you do become parents. So true. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You and I obviously are, could talk forever. Um, and we will, <laughs> Um, but I wanted to, one question I'm asking all the guests this season, um, as a way to kind of wrap up the conversation is what is one thing that you know to be true? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it all goes back to my whole spirituality quest. Um, and what I've been learning is that we are, I know that we're all connected together somehow. And we're not just here randomly. Mm. Um, and I think everyone has something to bring to, to this life, to, um, 
to everything uh, that, that is going on. So that's my one truth is that I know that each and every one of us has a purpose and each and every one of us is connected somehow. Love it. Thank you. Okay. Oh, thank you. And, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, it was like people I know, I'm like, what's Cindy on? Because we got to chat about all these things. <laughs> and I am so grateful that, you know, we are living together. And I feel like it's so funny because this is the first time we're seeing each other. Well, no, we saw each other last week, but it's like we didn't really have time to chat just, for multiple yeah. reasons. <laughs> so this is really nice. We just do this more often, just as an excuse to catch up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But thank you for being on, for sharing. I think that, you know, we, when we read all like this personal growth and self-help stuff, um, or I think at Barnes & Noble, it's now called Live Your Best Life, that section at the bookstore. We kind of see people when they're like, you know, 800,000 miles away, you know, they've kind of done all this stuff already. And it's really cool that, you know, we were able to have a conversation where like, we're on the journey and we can kind of share things from, not 800,000 miles away, but, you know, just a little bit down the road. And I think that, you know, that's actually more helpful at the end of the day, hearing it from someone who's like real and who's going through it with us. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. A great big thank you to Medfield TV for their support and editing this episode. Living an inspired life is a worthy endeavor. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Be sure to subscribe in your preferred podcast player for future real conversations. And if any part of this episode made you think of a friend, let them know that they aren't alone in their journey and share all the things with them. If you'd like to stay in touch, hop on over to lisaforreal.com and sign up for my daily blogs. Or find me on Instagram at Reclaiming Motherhood. See you next time.